This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to this, the first ever midweek episode of Every Step Along the Way. On this episode, we'll look back at the heartbreaking late defeat at Bournemouth. There's contracts extensions and season ticket details in the news before we then look ahead to Tuesday's last 16 trip to Selhurst Park, where we end with a very positive quiz. And yes, me sitting in this unfamiliar seat tonight, I'm the one to welcome Mike onto the show today, and also Andy. So how are you two? How are you, Mike? You had a good uh, weekend? Yeah, pretty good, mate, to be honest. Um, More so today, because it was bloody lovely, wasn't it, outside, let's be honest, it was dead warm went Trentham Gardens we, we always go Trentham anyway but uh yeah just just relaxing mate to the little boy to the park and I swear I'm getting old mate I'm pulling muscles I didn't know I had so yeah it's all good <laughs> and how about you Andy how are you mate I'm all right I went celebrating last night because of passing the exam but other than that just been relaxing today I thought you might have been celebrating the Vales 2-0 win I, thought <laughs> you were... <laughs> I didn't even know what score Vale was to be fair <laughs> oh, uh, yes, so we we do we're here on a, what Sunday night? What's Sunday going on? night? Feels yeah, a bit weird, seven. mate. <laughs> it's not Wednesday or even Thursday, but yes, yeah, Sunday. So yeah, this is the very first midweek, um, like proper match preview pod that we're doing, isn't it? Um, so we thought, yeah, we're just having a long trip down to Bournemouth and then another long trip down to Crystal Palace. We thought anyone who's going down there. You know, we'll try our best to keep them entertained for an hour on the way, don't we? We thought we, at least we can do is get ourselves together for all the uh, travelling Stoke fans, at least. Absolutely, that's if they want to listen to our dulcet tones for the next hour or half an hour, whatever the heck it turns <laughs> out to be, mate. But you know, as well, you say, we'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that the, listening to us might put put them to sleep, but as long as they got the driver, that's a good thing for them. It'll knock you. <laughs> You might wake up close to the ground when they started listening. So it's a public service. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Just don't put it on the radio when you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the first thing we'll, we'll head on to is uh, Bournemouth. Isn't it? Yeah, let's have a let's have a chat about that match. And well, twelve men against ten. Would you say for the majority? 
Yeah, pretty much, mate. I think it's a shame because I think we, 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 I thought we were all going to be on to the, uh, the typ- typical old Stoke. You know, they're going when it, when a game they shouldn't, which is what you kind of alluded to yourself last week, mate, to be honest, wasn't it? Uh, how typical it would be of Stoke. And um, yeah, it was once again, a referee is overpowering a game. And we've all seen the tackles of what, you know, obviously, firstly, the red for Fox was, was not a red. It I just, I don't get it. Um, so that was a ridiculous decision. I'm sure Andy will have more to say about. Um, the other one on Brown, again, it wasn't, it was, he actually gave a throw in, if I remember rightly, instead of an actual uh, foul or red card or anything. Um, and but the one actually I, I didn't quite see was the, uh, I think the Maja, uh one that he's saying was a, a penalty as well. So it just seems that, I know they say it evens itself out over the course of a season, but it doesn't feel like that. And it doesn't help you in them scenarios. I mean, it, we're lucky that we're, we're obviously not going to get playoffs now. I think we all kind of said that, unfortunately. So it's a good job we're not a team fighting at the bottom or fighting at the top where every single point really is critical. Um, but yeah, I thought you know, generally overall, it was a decent enough performance. Definitely better than the bloody midweek match. I mean, let's face it, I think us three could have a better match than them lot did on, in the week. So, you know, again, it's it's better to see an improvement. But uh, overall, I mean, they, they took their chances when they got them. Uh, so no, they, they could have had probably a couple more as well. So it, it's one of them. We, we probably didn't deserve to win it on the whole, but we didn't deserve to lose it how we did. Yeah, I think if you're saying it evens itself out over the season, then maybe the playoff push isn't off to us. You know, we should be having quite a few. We could be winning every game with the referees in our favour because we must be due at least a dozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we must be, mate. I mean, hopefully, you know, there's, there's some more to come. It's, it's just one of them now. It's, it's it's a bit late now unless we get some really uh, an incredible run, which, let's face it, this league, who knows? But, um yeah, it was it's was at least a better performance, Andy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lot better performance. Obviously, we had you know less possession, less passes made, and less shots and all that. But together as a team, considering everyone was worried about going back to the three-five-two, myself included, we played a lot better with it. Going to the refereeing decisions, um, it always seems to be if we put in a tackle which isn't even you know given as a yellow card, we'll get a red for it. I'm going to go back to Huddersfield. Josh Caromas was given as a throw in the the foul on Brown which it should have been was given as a throw in if it evens itself out throughout the whole of the season we we should be getting you know three penalties every single game then at this rate but um I will um give props to Tommy Smith coming back into the side and scoring the goal that he did it was a pretty decent finish but for Morgan Fox as well it's unlucky you could even say to him you could even see when you look at the replays he said that's not a booking Gives him a red. Yeah. So for him to for him to come back into the side and thirty five minutes later being on his bike into the changing rooms, it it sort of shows that it, we had it a little bit towards the end of our Premier League season. It's like they see us as a team which were easy to give bad decisions against. They know the aggravation it gives the fan base, so they just want to do it more. What did you think of the goal, though? I thought again, Tommy's he's capable of that. Um, screamer isn't he I mean yeah. to be fair all our right backs this season seem to be capable of that but uh, I mean that, that that's kind of something you see in the Premier League that type of a finish so real credit to Tommy because he's he's been out for a while obviously Wilmot's kind of taken his spot a little bit um, that's not going to do him any harm at all is it? No not at all obviously if he's managing to do that it shows that 
you know, maybe if he's got, he needs to show that what he's got. Maybe it's going to help him, you know, carry on at the club. And it was an amazing finish. Like you mentioned about the right backs, look about look at Josh Tymon as well with the goals he's almost scored this season. The goal against Nottingham comes to mind. Um, really showed what type of team we are this season. But the two goals that they scored, um, it's like they they weren't far from the line. The first one looped over, and obviously Dominic Solanke got there from about one yard out. He's not going to miss. And then the second one, Jack Bonham goes to make the save. Uh, doesn't. It doesn't get to it. And then, obviously, four yards out, they managed to get the tap in. But other than those two, I think Jack Bonham, yet again, showed that he still has the quality to fight Joe Bursick for that number one spot at the moment. Yeah, I there's, two, there's a couple of things, obviously, from what you were saying there as well. I mean, the first one, I mean, it's becoming grow. There's a growing sort of uh, movement now saying that Stoke, we don't surround the referee enough. I mean, I don't know what... What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Do you think that would you like to see us in the referee's face more? You know, when these sort of fouls go against us, like with the brown one, would you just like to see us all, you know, clambering, shouting at the ref, clambering, oh, ref, that's a red card, you know, that's so you've got to send him off. Would you like to see us become a team like that if, if that if it means that we get more of the rub of the green? And do you think we are too passive? Is that why we're not getting these decisions? Um, yeah. Yeah, too right. I, I want to see that because, like I say, every other club does it, mate. So it only takes a weak referee, and let's face it, we've got a few of them in this league. It only takes a weak referee, having a bit of fans behind him, the players going absolutely berserk. You know, it only takes if a, if a referee's fifty-fifty or he's, he's not quite sure. If he sees outraged players, you know, if we would have made more of a deal on the you know, the the one against Howard Ballas, for example, on the knee. I mean, we, we you know we, we did make him aware of it, but if he would have been screaming and jumping all over the place, he would probably would have had to send him off, thinking, "Christ, I've missed something here." Um, so for me, yeah, we should be making more of a deal of it. You know, this you know, go back to the whole you know the, the the team that no one wants to play. We need to try and get that ruthless streak back in us and stop being so nice and kind all the time. Yeah, I mean, even that side, they didn't really have... I remember um, people like Rory Delap and that, they'd get kicked. Andy Wilkinson, they'd be, you know, flying from the result of a, you know, a challenge going in on them and they'd just get themselves up, dust themselves down. And I think something has to be said for that as well. Like, it's a... Uh, yeah, you, you haven't heard me. There's no rolling around. I'm just going to get up and carry on. But like you say, when tackles do come in on our lads, I, I'm, I'm starting to go that way now. I think we do need to be a bit more uh, vocal towards the referee, definitely. Just to, just to make sure that we get a fair share of decisions more than anything else. Uh, it, is, yeah. it is unfortunate that that's, that, that's the way it is. It, I much prefer every, um, every team not to do that. But I, I think it's easier for us to join... It's easier for us to join the the bandwagon, so to speak, than it is to rewrite uh, his, the, the obviously the the agenda with clubs. I don't know where where that kind of thing comes from. I think that that message obviously comes down from the manager, and the manager's not like that, is he? You like to play things very much by the book, and um, I think Pulis would have been happy. You know, if we think about Pulis, which is what I'm thinking of, you know, the the Jerry Taggart days, and uh, you know all that. I mean, Christ, I remember I remember Taggart grabbing. What was it, Dennis Wise around the throat, and he, did, he what, did, didn't even get booked for it, if I remember right, or, or he might have just got booked. Do you remember that that one, Dan? Yeah, I remember that. He was he sort of uh, targeted, gone and 
is it Tiger to tackled him and then Wise had sort of like held on to him as he went for get up, didn't he? And Tiger literally <laughs> just stood there and the referee's like, man, and, and did he? He was laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, but you know, like, there wasn't even any sort of like, but the ref, oh, you two, you two, you know, bunch of pair of comedians, come on, crack. <laughs> oh, see, like? I meant something like that. I remember him laughing and, and, and pushing one of our players, you know, I can't remember what it, he's actually said something to him and he's, it's just like one of his best pals. It was, it was great. Those are the referees we need now, mate. Yeah, definitely. I think they were, I think they were much more down to earth bunch than these ones are now, it seems as well. And I bet they could read a VAR monitor and all for when that comes down to the championship, and we know no doubt of that. We oh, can actually mate. watch you. You can watch a replay of, of our players getting the, the decapitated nearly, as, as Mark O'Neill pointed out after the game. It, it and, is, but it's not, not, not obviously on the topic because obviously it's not Stoke. But I'm going to mention it because you brought VAR up. That handball, Man City the other night, like it that is just epitomizes refereeing. No, mate, that's in just this his country. leg. It's just his leg. Don't worry oh, about it. God. Mate, I, I know that one of the most biased Man City fans I've uh, literally I've ever spoken to, right? Even he said it was a handball. If that if that comes down to the championship, firstly there'll be a thousand penalties a match because everyone pulls in the box. Um it I don't know what what it what it'll do, but I just know it's going to be a shambles. Um, in the Premier League, it's far less brutal as it is in the Championship, League One, etc. Now, obviously, luckily, it ain't going down to League One, League Two because the matches will be about three hours long. But it's <laughs> it, it, I don't know, mate. It's just we we shouldn't use VAR to bail out crap referees, which for me in the Championship it could start going that way because they're clearly missing sitters. I mean, I know they've signed this big. Um, thing about you know they're going to try and stamp out bad refereeing and all that i mean what signing a form's going to do they need to work on the bloody training for a start um well, have you seen who's in charge of that one it's your mate he's in charge good old tony skulls is in charge of reviewing uh, yeah. the referee yeah it's his first job and his new role which yeah we shall see how he gets on good luck to him he's maybe a first thing job. he will say is give him a rollicking for all the decisions against stoke <laughs> He's like, yes, trust me, I've seen the worst officiating. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the worst officiating this country has ever seen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought, to be honest, I thought, uh, getting back to the match, they were, it was a very valiant display to play that long against a team who was obviously second in the league and capable of opening you know, most, if not any, team up in this division and scoring when, you know, at will. To hold out as we did, 1-0 up, I think we did really well. And it showed that there is a togetherness there. Six changes, people coming in and out. That alerted me. I was surprised me when the team news come out. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought we should have good. We showed that the manager still got the dressing room behind him, put it that way. There's still, a lot, there's still players playing for him. And there's a lot, uh, as what has been said, hasn't there? Since the game, a lot of the the Michael O'Neill out group appears to be, you know, getting more vocal and gaining new members. And I just say you just need to give him, you know, just give it, give him a break. Goodness sake, you know, te- did, how, how long they held out for? I mean, I don't know what your th- what you thought, Andy, but I, you know, I, 
if another 10 minutes then he'd have been loaded as what an excellent result and what a, what a battling display. Does two late goals change the fact that it was a battling display? No, obviously it was probably one of the best performances we could have probably had against Bournemouth. Obviously with a man sent off with a three at the back formation, you've got to change your tactics, which people say he doesn't do. He's probably had to go to a 4-4-1. And then obviously conceding two late goals against Bournemouth, as you mentioned, they're a side who can score at will. They can score at any moment they really want to. If you can hold out 50 minutes with 10 men against a very, very strong Bournemouth side, who I mentioned have done a lot of recruitment in January as well, it just shows that we can still do it. And if people want Michael O'Neill out, they can say Michael O'Neill out all they want. But if we somehow get a result from Palace, they'll hail him as, oh my God, he could be the next, you know, Tony Pulis taking us to a FA Cup final. You're right, what you were saying. I put a post out on, on obviously on the on the channel, which is, uh, for anyone who has, actually doesn't know, it's at every step along, or if you just search for every step along the way, you'll see it on Twitter. But um, it, basically, I put it out on there just to say that, you know, People just need to accept other people's opinions. It got ridiculous, and it was quite ironic. You know, one one of the people that um had uh, had liked it and stuff like that was one of the worst culprits for it. And I'm not going to mention who that was, but it was just like, you know, look, if someone's got a different opinion, no problem whatsoever. Um, either scroll on if you don't like it, or if you're going to have a comment, at least be constructive. Don't start flinging accusations and bloody. God knows what at people. I just think it's it's just ridiculous. And thank God the the vast majority of people are like that. You know, they're they're, they're very calm and don't mind having having a debate, which is what football's all about. Let's be honest. Yeah, by all means. I mean, I know you you did put your tweet out, didn't you, about um, the amount of abuse fans are giving each other, and you know, you, all you've got to do is respect each other, respect each other's opinions, and have healthy debate. It doesn't. You don't have to agree with somebody, but. You don't have to abuse them because they've got a different view to you either. Um, yeah, like I say, two late goals. I think we've 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 talked enough about this game now, haven't we? Um, just to say we did obviously we did the man of the match poll at the end. I stuck down obviously stuck Smith on. He scored. Looked, tried to look through a bit of a bit of Twitter, bit of Facebook and whatever, just trying to find out you know who to put in. And he up sticking Jagielka and Allen, which I was immediately caught for his comment through Allen with a question mark. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I just tried to, well, I just tried to find out a uh, quick search who not to put in, and uh, he, he didn't seem to be having a bad game. As it turns out, he got more of a percentage than Smith did in the votes. <laughs> so wow. we had 113 votes. Uh, Jagielka got 57%. He was man of the match. Alan was second with 19%, Smith 17%, and then other with 7%. Uh, the comments, the only person mentioned in the comments uh, for other was Jacob Brown. So you'll be getting the points for that. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, obviously Jagielka, he's, he's coming and doing what exactly brought him in to do to be that solid centre-half we need. Smith and Alan up there, it's exactly what you need. Yet again, people critique Alan for not being good enough for the team. He's showing that, you know, he can still work that midfield. And to be fair, mate, I think on the Stoke ratings that were given out, Jagielka got given, I think it was an 8 out of 10, along with most of the team. Jagielka, though, doesn't it show? It, I mean, what, he's 39 now. Um, he's 40 very soon. He's 40 on the 17th of August. Is he? Yeah. 17th of August, wow. he's 40. So, it, well, I tell you what, here's one for you. you. You two love your stats. Go and find me the last player to play for Stoker at the age of 40. God. 
was not, I'd, I'd hazard a guess, Big Nev, Neville Southall. Neville Southall, thank you, Nev. He played for Stoke, didn't he, at the end of his career? Was he even 40? Uh, okay, then. Um, outfield player. Let's outfield not have a goal. Let's not have goal, goalkeeper. Goalkeeper's, goalkeeper's too easy. 70. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, even, yeah, exactly that point. You can be really old. So the last outfield player, and if anyone knows, tweet us whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, I want to know who the last outfield player at 40 years old. Surely we're not going back to... Like, Stan. 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 <laughs> are we? I mean, maybe we are. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me, Jags will get a new contract. I'm, I, I'm feeling relatively confident of that because didn't he sign a contract just till the end of the season? If I remember, I think right, he I signed think. a six-month contract, and if he wants the option to extend for another year, he can. Which I think, to be honest, mate, I think would be stupid not to. We're going to be in the championship still. Yeah. If he doesn't get, if he doesn't get into the first team squad, mate, if Sutar pulls up with something or needs a rest, Jagielka will take that place. But can you imagine how good Suter and Jagielka sounds at the back? I if think that'd be a great If he does go back to the three at the back, mate, put Jagielka with Sutar and Harwood Vellis if we manage to get him back on a loan spell. Oh. Well, this is it, isn't it? I mean, Manchester City may well let us have Harwood Vellis another year, especially if you've got somebody like Jagielka thing to learn off. If you've not, will like say, You've got Harry Suter still young. He's still learning that, yeah, as good as he is, he's still learning, isn't he, in the game. So he'll he'll benefit from Jagielka over another year, as will people like Will Forrester coming through, as will Connor Taylor if he sticks around and, and doesn't go out on loan again. Lewis McCarthy. Yeah, all these youngsters and that, you know, the promising youngsters we've got coming through, they're all going to benefit from playing with Jagielka. And then obviously, if we do keep him until another year and then he retires, we may get we may be first in line for him. As a coaching role, he might just naturally progress with the club as well. If that's, obviously, if that's what he wants to do when he retires, we don't know, do we? But no, it's it's a quite tasty prospect, though, mate. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, those are our thoughts on the game. Um, but we, yeah, we, we've quite uh, happily for us, we've had one of our listeners actually get in touch with us, haven't we? So, Rory, I mean, she she submitted her views. She sent his little audio piece, and this is what she thought about the Bournemouth game. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Um, it means a lot. But I had so much planned to say and I was planning it throughout the game. But then it took the most disastrous turn. An un- a heartbreaking turn that we got two goals in, what, two, three minutes. Um, Tommy Smith's goal was class. Loved the goal. But why are we conceding two goals in such a short amount of time? Um Everyone was, everyone, a lot of people had hoped today that we would win, especially with the start of the goal from Tommy Smith at 20 minutes. But it seems to be if we have the first goal, then they always seem to concede two later on in the second half, which we saw a lot of um, before Christmas break. Um, We saw a lot of that two ones happening. Um, But I think now it's just time that we need to, that Stoke just needs to kind of up the game and kind of realise that they can't, just kind of slow themselves down if they've got a goal and it's getting to the end. Oh, yes, slow down because we've won. But what they don't realise is they have, they're not going to win by doing that. Um, but moving on from that topic, Stoke were good, don't get me wrong, but doing what we've done is a little bit blown-minded, to be fair. Um, Morgan Fox's red card, that was diabolical. It shouldn't have even been a foul, never mind a red card, because he got to the ball... 
Um, so that was just a touch bit stupid if you see it from my point and everybody else's point because the whole of Twitter blew up as the minute it got announced. Um, I think, obviously, we got Jordan Thompson injured. That's not very good because he's not long come back from injury as it is. Um, and um, Bournemouth should have been down to 10 men. We should have stayed at 11 men, but Tim Robinson decided to hand out cards like they were worth nothing. But I guess that's EFL refs. There's nothing we can do about it these days. Um, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I just wish we had a different result tonight. Thanks, boys. Uh, thank you for that, Rory. Much appreciated. A great, uh, like I say, another insight there and pretty much echoing what we've said, haven't it, lads? Um, we're all on the same page here, I think. Crap referees and a bit of bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> season, like, story of our season, mate. <laughs> So the main agenda, the top of the news, is the, the news we've all been waiting for for months. Been confirmed by the club, Michael O'Neill said, Nick Powell is going nowhere in the summer. His contract is up, but there is an extension that either, either of them can trigger, and they both want to, it seems. So he is definitely sticking around for at least another 12 months. Fantastic news, I think. Uh, do you agree, Andy? Mate, he's probably... He's definitely one of our top three players at the club, if not the number one. He's such a good asset, obviously, since coming back from his injury. He's had the odd moment where he's not been at his best, but since he's been here, he's stayed. He's shown that he plays for the badge, and he's he's just an all-round great character on and off the field. Yeah, I mean... It's when obviously he stopped start, he's had a lot of injuries. I mean, before this season, I remember, he probably had the most injury-free spell of his career, didn't he, for about 18 months? <laughs> yeah. Um, but this season, he's sort of had been ravaged. I mean, is that much of a concern for you, Mike? Would you would you be happy to get to uh, see Nick Powell still knocking around next season? Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I've got absolutely not even in question, to be honest with you. I think Powell, like we've all kind of alluded to over the season, is an absolute amazing asset to have um to be honest with you and the the criticism with him is that he's, he's just never fit uh which is why as i said previously and we, we talked about it, i think inadvertently last week but um you know Sawyer's is somebody that we probably want to keep hold of because there's not really anyone else at the club that can play behind that striker in the way that nick powell can and you know i think it's easy to forget because of how long powell has been around everywhere he's still only 27 years old He's not an old footballer. If he can just keep himself fit, have a good pre-season, um, come back really raring to go with hopefully a good team, you know, good settled tactics behind him, a keen focus, you know, he's got the capability to be literally integral, as we all know he can be to this team. So, mate, I'm yeah, I'm very much for that. What makes me potentially think, you know, that um, why we haven't done it yet? I genuinely think part of it is FFP because one I reckon we're trying to do, I mean, Nick won't be on much money. He won't be on pittance, obviously, but certainly not in comparison to the likes of us, but he'll be on a decent enough wage. But I think we're trying to sign him down to probably another two or three years. I reckon that's why it's taken so long and we just can't because of financials. Yeah, maybe this. Maybe it's one of them. If Stoke trigger it, it comes with a, a higher wage, an automatic wage 
increase or something. Could be. You know, you know, yeah, it could be something like that. Like you say, or it could be still one to get him like long term, um, which would which I'd be all for that, giving him like a three year deal or something. Uh, so he's settled. I think that's the key. I think the kind of character he is, he seems to be one who would thrive on having that sort of settled environment where everything's sorted and he just sort of concentrates on his football and, and keeping himself ticking over and fit. And it's interesting with you saying Sawyer's there, I think that'd be a good one as well. If we can get keep remain Sawyer's, then when Nick Powell, we don't have to overplay Nick Powell then, do we? If you've got no. somebody who you feel comfortable putting in for him. I mean, to me, Nick Powell is, you say top three players here, Andy, I think he's, he's, he's one of the top three players in the division on his day. He is that good. And he makes such a difference to how we are. If we only get in, I mean, I know it's not ideal, but if he only plays 15 games a season, you'd put your money on as winning 10 of them because of, because of his impact, wouldn't you? I think so, you said last week, Dan, that, you know, even, I don't think it'd be as black and white as this, but having Powell play on a Saturday and having Sawyer's play on a Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. whatever the heck we play. Um, so I don't think that's an awful idea, to be fair, because like you said, it keeps him fit. It's not overplaying him. Um, there's going to be times when we're probably going to have to be forced to play him twice a week. But if it is the case that everyone just admits that he can't physically do it anymore, for whatever reason, probably no fault of his own, it's just part of his fitness, then, yeah, I would rather have him for half the games that season with a 100% Nick Powell than someone who's battling through knocks and everything like that. And and if anything, he become, becomes a bit of a, a passenger. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, mate. I, th- I think he, it, it's good to see him stay. And I don't think it was ever in, in doubt. And uh, there was one guy on Twitter who's been tweeting the club every single day until he signs a new contract. And he's going to have <laughs> some, some time on his hands, by the sounds of things, very soon. <laughs> Well, and um, something else the club have been doing, other than sorting out Nick, uh, Nick Powell's new contract, is sorting out season ticket details. And uh, they've been released this past week. Season ticket prices frozen yet again, 15 years in a row, which is absolutely fantastic, I think. Um, as I, it's funny how, like, it's like with the away travel and that, you've seen some people complain um, about away tra- about the away travel and that, oh, the best do it again, and you think you don't when it when it becomes such a long time and an offer has been going for so long or a price has been froze for so long. I think people get complacent with it and forget you know don't quite understand how lucky they are to have it. Like I saw, I swear I've seen some people this past week saying, "Well, really, the way we're playing now, really, they should have reduced them." <laughs> I'm like, oh no! I'm like, Come on! I'm like, you're paying the same money now as you were in 2007. <laughs> This it's like, you know, just think about it. But I, like I say, I think you get people get complacent, don't they? And uh, yeah, but the, I, to me, it's a fantastic gesture. Again, another freeze. Um, I, hope that this, I hope that people flock down there and buy them in the droves. I'll certainly be getting mine, and the kids will be having theirs again. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed that we can, you know, match last season's and. Uh, last season's sales and, and extend even further maybe I mean obviously the thing to I'm sorry I may have mentioned I didn't mean to interrupt you then but um, yeah so we've got the, the free coach travel as well um, like you said earlier it's it's one like you said mate, I think people get used to things don't they and um, I mean we were talking about the palace the cost of a palace coach uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of money 
it's a hell of a lot of money for the club to just to swallow. And I know, obviously, with Palace, the fans are playing because it's a cup game. Fine, um, that, there's no problems. But obviously, there's a lot of league games that the fans pay absolutely nothing for. So there's, there's absolute tons of credit to go there. I know when this scheme first kicked off, uh, Dan, we, we had a grant, didn't we? It was like a, was it an EFL um, Premier League at the time. A Premier yeah. League price, yeah, it was going that far back. That's how long it's been in. Um, so obviously that's long gone. Um, so the club don't have to do any of this off their own back if they don't want to. So yeah, I mean the club gets criticised a lot for different things and sometimes very rightly so, but not for this. Yeah, I mean what, Andy, I mean what do you think about your price? I mean obviously you must be paying the same price as you you always have done, same as same as me and Mike have like say for a long time. I mean do do you? You you obviously use the away coach travel a lot as well. It must save your fortune over time. Yeah, mate. Well, I only started doing away games this season. And to be fair, mate, if it wasn't free, I don't think I would have done as many away games as I would. But I just did a little calculation. If you were spending on average 30 quid for each game throughout a season, you'd be spending about 500 quid, 600 quid on travel, which... Obviously, it's going to be cheaper than getting the train down to London each time if you've got six teams down there, for example. But with season tickets as well, um, with obviously the global situation still got that knocking around, it's good that we've kept the prices frozen again. And I believe most clubs to try and get from that financial issues they've had will probably increase their prices. It just shows how lucky of a club and how they're running it, how lucky of fans we actually are. Mention um, to the supporters council as well, mate. I'm, I know, I know, I'm on it, but that's not the reason I'm saying it. <laughs> it's because you know, obviously, in the, in the last meeting and the, the minutes say the same thing. You know, we 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 asked the club to obviously definitely consider keeping them the same, re-highlighted, you know, the current you know, state stature of the world, and and I'm sure that they're obviously fully aware of it. But uh, again, it's it's groups like that that are in the fans' corner and only got the fans' interest at heart that that help with stuff like this so um i'd just probably say as a as a member of that if there's ever any suggestions or anything you know you can tweet the supporters council uh, twitter page and obviously you can con- you know, con- contact me or contact us and we'll pass it on but um just don't underestimate how important someone like the, fa- you know, the fans council are uh, for those types of decisions as well yeah i mean you were saying there about not being able to forego and stuff i mean i'm so grateful to them as well for I've I've took my two little girls, well, two of my little girls, uh, to games and away games, and if I'd had to pay the coach on top, I mean, obviously when you get into the game, the the clubs can give cheap tickets to children, can't they? But when you're dividing up the cost of a coach, a seat is a seat at the end of the day, so understand that there can't be much difference between what an adult pays and what a child pays on a coach because you've still got to manage the cost of it all. Um, so if we were having to pay, I mean, we've been to full, I've been to Fulham with them, I've been to like Preston with them, we, uh, we were Blackpool, then we, but we, um, you know, I would have real, we would have really struggled, I think, to add it in the cost to justify it. Um, so yeah, it's, I am grateful that I've had them experiences with my girls taking them away and stuff down to that free coach travel. And now in other news as well, we've got the under-23s. Now, by the time you listen to this, uh, the club was probably on the, the under-23s either on the way to Sunderland for the game on Monday night 
playing or have played and come back. <laughs> um, because, yeah, they, they play Sunderland away on Monday. Uh, they haven't got another game after that uh, in the next couple of weeks. So there's a little break for them the 23 after Monday. Uh, the under-18s, they played Burnley away this Saturday just gone. And they, at 11am, they lost 3-1. So they unfortunately lost away at Burnley. And they've got a game this Saturday at home to Liverpool, 11.30 kickoff. So, yeah, they're hosting Liverpool on uh, on Saturday. And uh, the women, like I say, we're recording this on the Sunday. Unfortunately, the women lost 2-1 to Huddersfield this afternoon. And they've got a busy week ahead. They play Wolves away on Wednesday, 7.45. So a trip just down the road there. And then they've got Middlesbrough at home next Sunday, 2 p.m. So, yeah, I think let's, let's move into the, uh, the Palace game. So, not a very good hunting ground for us, Selhurst Park. We're there Tuesday night. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's, the kickoff is 7.30 on Tuesday and it is available on the red button on BBC. So if you have got that, um, and if you do actually find the red button channel, for anybody who's not at home, who wants to watch it like maybe later on or something, if you've got like Sky, you can actually record it as well. So I found that today. <laughs> found that today. So yeah, you can, um, if you find this, the BBC red button channel, and hit your record button, it will record the match for you if you're not in to watch it live. Okay. Uh, you know, even if even if you are, you know, uh, either way, just record it anyway, because it could be a, a 5 nil hammer in the Crystal Palace and one that you need to watch over and over again. Because I don't know about you guys, when we lost in the final against Man City, I've never seen that match back since. But this wa- time I've we can record it for a good reason. <laughs> and obviously if Butland's in goal, you can make some good edits for that. I was going to say, mate, we, we've got we've got a couple of goals being gifted to us anyway, haven't we? Oh, mate, we've got to. We've got to have a few games. He owes us a couple. He owes us. So, you know what's going to happen, though? It's going to go to extra time and penalties, and he's going to save a bloody penalty, isn't he? You and then know he's going to step gonna up and it. score the winner, isn't he? And then going to celebrate in front of Michael O'Neill or something. Oh. No, he, he can do a Kepa penalty. <laughs> Please. But for all the penalties um, he never saved for us, mate, you can guarantee he's going to bloody do it, can't He's going to have a blinder yeah. of a game, I guarantee. To be fair, his best penalty save was in a shootout, wasn't it? it was for against, against Chelsea, Chelsea. wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was a cracking save. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, like I was alluding to it before, it's not a good hunting ground for us, Selhurst Park. Uh, we've made seven trips down there since we last won, which was a 3-1 win in 2007, uh, including losing the last four visits as well. Uh, the start of that run of defeat was actually a 1-0 loss in the FA Cup in 2014. Wilf Zaha netting the only goal of the game. And uh, funny enough, we had faced them in the FA Cup 12 months earlier as well, uh, in which case we got a goalless draw at Sellers Park. And then we had a replay at Stoke. And uh, after an 86-minute penalty from Glen Murray, cancelled out Kenwin Jones's opener, uh, we ran out comfortable winners in extra time, thanks to a double from John Walters and a goal from Cameron Jerome. But isn't it weird how you can play the same team over and over again in the FA Cup? Yeah, that's right. In a short space of time. Three times in less than a decade there, isn't it? That we've drawn them and all away as well. Obviously, uh, we beat them at home. That was a replay. We've we've been drawn away at Crystal Palace three times in in 10 years. For a club that doesn't have many... 
Yeah, we don't technically have many tie, many ties. We we haven't won one in about five years before this one, before this year, had we? So it's not as if we're like you know playing five six games every year in it. Mm, I don't know if uh, Andy, have you got any interesting stats, mate? Because Dan's done a, a decent one there. So. That's, well, I've got my you know five insight facts, which is um, Crystal Palace have won eight of their last ten matches with Stoke in all competitions. Those other two which they didn't win was a draw and a loss, um, which was actually in their seven of their last eight. But on the flip side, they've only kept two clean sheets in those ten matches. Um, we did last play them in the FA Cup in a fourth round tie in 2015-16, which was a one nil de- defeat away from home. But um, we have progressed from the other two ties we have played against them in 1988-89 and 2012-2013. Crystal Palace last reached the quarterfinals of the FA Cup in 2018-19, where they progressed um, from their last two round five ties. Um, Additionally, Stoke haven't appeared in the final eight of the FA Cup since 2011-2012, where we lost to Liverpool at Anfield. And adding to that fact, they've only won two of their last 10 away games in the competition. And Michael Elise, who has been a star player for Crystal Palace this season, has both scored and assisted in his last two FA Cup matches, with no player in this season's competition having a direct hand in more goals than Crystal than that Crystal Palace winger so far. And going into their um, injury news, Joel Ward is still out, but Nathaniel Klein has come in. Some good stuff there, some good stuff. Uh, I've got some actually, got some more stats for you as well. Palace's recent home form's not great. Lost three out of the last five. And they've only had one win at home all season when the opposition has scored. So they only generally win at home when they keep a clean sheet. Now, do you want the good news? Let's hear the good news. Stoke has scored in 12 of the last 14 away games. The only two they haven't scored were Coventry and Bristol City. And I went to both of them. Well, at least you're not well, going in the week, mate. We'll be okay. Mate. <laughs> um, but yeah, another side note, just to mention, obviously, it was Crystal Palace that actually relegated Stoke in 2018 once it's a late winner from Patrick Van Arnholt, mm-hmm. which, if I remember rightly, didn't he come out after the match and say that he wished he didn't have to score that goal? Because yeah. He, he thinks we're a, a damn good club and uh, he'll be missed in the Premier League. It's one of my first Stoke memories, that was. Oh. It's one of them. Now, I know people come out and say that stuff, but he hasn't relegated us. We, we relegated ourselves by not being good yeah. enough over the course of 38 matches. Wasn't it a couple um, of games earlier we should have really scored the penalty against Brighton as well? Oh, yeah, God, that I'll was... never forget that Charlie Adam <laughs> crawl up to the ball. If he got that level. rebound and got it in and he was quicker than Lewis Dunk, I think we would have been just about OK. That was my daughter's first game. She's now seen oh, the ticket mate. holder. Oh, mate. <laughs> it was all downhill from there. Bloody hell, mate. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, I thought, just remembering, taking that penalty and just thinking, go on. Well, go on. <laughs> <laughs> the ball's right there, Charlie. Move. <laughs> go on. If you can score from the halfway line, you can score from there. Oh, he's missed yeah. it. Oh, he's missed <laughs> the rebound. <laughs> It was yeah, it wasn't so much the mess. It was the fact the ball just landed there, the rebound, and he's like, it's all he had to that... do was waddle over and just put it into the net, and it just took that long that he didn't. Waddling like... over him at full speed, mate. <laughs> um, I found, by the way, twenty players who've come for both clubs. One, well, nineteen players and a manager. Would you like me to read out these players? You can. I'll see if you miss anyone out. I think I'm the manager's going to be pure this, hasn't he? I'm going to. 
the manager is Pulis, yes. I'm going to take Mike, Mike particularly here, Andy, maybe going down memory lane with some okay. of these names. Some of these probably were on before you were even born, to be fair. <laughs> so there's Jack Butland, obviously still on the Crystal Palace side now. Um, Shola Amiobi. Tom Ince. Cameron Jerome. Andrew Davis. Clint Hill. Victor Moses. Tom Soares. Leon Court. John Halls. Adi Akinbae. Matt Upson. Paul Warhurst. Bruce Dyer, Tony Scully, Carlo Nash, Paul Stewart, Marco Gabbiadini, and the one and only friend of the pod, Ricardo Fuller. Bloody hell, that mate. Yeah, there's some great names there. We haven't there? had a bad transfer history with them, have we? No. We've got some good strikers and Bruce Dyer. <laughs> 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 Mm, interesting. Speaking yeah. of Cameron Jerome, what did he do for Luton as well? Just what Cameron Jerome does. Not enough time to think, just slots it in. Exactly. Well, it's funny because obviously I just mentioned that he scored he scored an extra time when we knocked him out of the cup for us against them. And then he's gone and scored. <laughs> he's the striker <laughs> version of Sam Clucas, isn't he? Yeah, he's <laughs> playing against his old clubs, which when, he, when he's had as many clubs as he has, <laughs> he should be... Score every really. season. <laughs> um, but yeah, as for the game itself, what we're thinking, I mean, they've got some good players, and they've got some good pacey players. That Alexi looks a real player. I know he was at uh, he was at Reading Monty last year and they've yeah, well. sort of integrated him into the side and he he's looks the danger man for me. I know Zaha's the one who gets yeah, they've all got the... Zaha, they've got Conor Gallagher, uh Edward who was playing for Celtic. Enrique yeah. Eze at QPR last season. Guehi, I think, was on loan at Reading last season. And then you got the old, you know, names of Jeffrey Schlupp, James Tompkins, Martin Kelly even. They've got a very, very solid, you know, mid-table Premier League side. I, think I wonder, what Jack, is... Butlin... I wonder Sorry, what Jack Butlin thinks about Eze. Because if you remember, it was... Uh... It was that QPR game, wasn't it? First game of the season when all his troubles at Stoke seemed to start. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they've got the best partnership at the club, have they? <laughs> and it was like as they sort of danced through the, from the halfway line, didn't he? And then yeah. <laughs> rounded him and rolled into the net. I think part of the thing for me, though, is what makes it harder for us tomorrow isn't even something to do with the, the players per se. The fact that Palace aren't playing for anything isn't really on our side. I think if they were going for a, a European or Europa spot of some kind or fighting relegation, then I think that would do us a favour. But I think the fact that this is a bit like us, this is the only thing that's in for the rest of this season. It's going to make our lives hard. But you know what? As we've made, obviously, you know, we, we made six changes, obviously, you know, against Bournemouth and that didn't actually go down too badly. And I think there's a lot of players that are going to, probably come in for this one who are going to feel like they've got a point to prove and there's nothing wrong with having hang, having hungry players who have a point to prove you know we've we've seen we've seen it a number of times um i mean in terms of team i'll be honest with you i've changed my mind two or three times on the on the on the actual team as well and i've changed my mind on the result um so i'm going to give you my team dan if that's okay yeah uh so i'm going bursic in goal Definitely having him back in there. It seems to like, seems like Bonham's back in, uh, being favoured number one some for some reason. Um, 
So yeah, Tommy Smith, I'm putting it right back. Uh, Will Martin. What's your formation, by the way? Sorry. It's it, so it's the four-two-three-one. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, so it's Wilmot uh, right back. So Smith right back, Wilmot and Harwood Bellis centre backs, um, and Josh Tymon, uh left back. I'm still keeping him there. Um, again, this is where it kind of got me, but I'm going to go for Allen and Sawyer's alongside each other. I know, strictly speaking, Sawyer's isn't exactly a defensive midfielder. I totally understand that, but I just think he's a he's more intelligent than a than a Sam Clucas is, um, which I know he's probably going to want to put Sam Clucas in, but um, for me, Clucas has just been completely anonymous this season. So, um, yeah, Sawyers is taking his spot for me, and I want Brown on the team. I just think he gives us too much in terms of pace. Uh, so I'm going to put Brown on the right, Powell um, in the number 10 spot, and then Campbell on the left with Maja, um going up front. Okay, I mean yes, I mean obviously you've got no Lewis Baker out, we've got no Jaden Philogene Bidays, no Phil Jagielka, all cup tied, um, which sort exactly. of it sort of takes the, the spine out the side a bit, doesn't it as well? <laughs> if it wasn't injuries, it's now cup tied, taking them away. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, what made the life a bit hard because I mean obviously we, we'd probably all have all three of them in, wouldn't we? Let's be honest, if if we could. Yeah, definitely. Um, but. Score line wise, mate. Oh, geez, I, I I don't know what way this is going to go. I think this will be a two-one in either direction. I, I don't know. I'm going to go two-one to Stoke. Good man. Are we expecting them to make changes? I mean, you said they've not really got much else to play for, have they? I think they'll be have a, a very strong team out, mate. I really do. They might, you know, they might make a couple of changes. Um, but don't expect wholesale. They'll have a strong Premier League outfit out there, I think. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've picked up four points, haven't they, for the last two games? I mean, they played yeah. Watford and Burnley, and I was looking at it myself, and I was like, I, I, no, no disrespect to Crystal Palace, but I was really hoping they'd be lost on games. Because not only would it have put points on the board for Burnley and Watford and closed them up to Palace, it would have stopped Palace from like you know stretching away from them. And I think now, like you say, I mean, where are the 11th in the league? 30 points. They're nine points above the relegation zone. They are pretty much, you know, they're probably like two, they need two wins from their remaining 11 games. That'll get them to 36. This season, that's probably going to be enough by looks of it. So they're probably going to back themselves to get that and be able to carry on in the cup, aren't they? So it is, uh, yeah, I just thought to myself, if, you know, if they have lost them two games, They'd have been now on 26, and like I say, Burnley would have been on 24, uh, Watford would have been on 22, and it's like, yeah, then all of a sudden, our game becomes definitely a second, um, sort of like second place into the league as the priority, as we all know, for any team who's below about, you know, other than about seven clubs in the Premier League, the rest of them, the first thing they want to do is make sure they stay up for another year, uh, which says, says all you need to know about when you stick hundred million pound in people's pockets just for staying up. Yeah, well we've had them riches, haven't we? You know, we we've we've had our time. Um yeah, oh yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah not 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 uh, just in that in any way. I'm just just maybe thinking more like I think I said it at the time as well when I was in there. There's I, I was actually saying to Andy once when we were at the match last week 
because um, he was commenting on the lack of goals that had come in the Premier League, like at the half-time scores. And I said, well, this, this is what happens really when the games become too cagey because there's too much money at stake. I was like, you think back to like the 90s when there was that injection of money, but it wasn't the the amounts that we talk now. I said, so there was there was the ability to bring players in and, and you know, facilities and all that that helped to promote a fast speed game that was end-to-end and exciting. And now teams are too sort of cagey and too technical because maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe the standard of players technically is, is that good that people can't get the ball off each other as, as good as well as they used to do. Um, but like I said, there's, there's that much at stake as well. But yeah, that's going slightly off topic there, <laughs> this game. But yeah, there's... Um, that's just Mark saying my views on on how much money's floating around in in football and how it affects it and the enjoyment levels maybe. And yeah. what's your uh, team and prediction, mate? Well, I've I've also gone with the four two three one. I've gone with uh, I've kept Bonham in goal. I believe he deserves it after obviously his performance against Bournemouth. He made a few brilliant saves. But um, I feel like if he's still trying to determine who number one is, um, maybe giving Bonham another game will help him decide that. Um, same back line pretty much, but I've gone with Howard, Bellis and Moore at centre-backs. Um, and then Sawyers, Allen and Powell in that midfield triangle with Brown out on the right. And then I've gone with Wright Phillips on the left. And then I put Madger at striker. See, that's funny. I, see, I put Wright Phillips on the left a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I just thought I needed to make room for Brown. And I think Brown is no good on the left, but he's good on the right. Yeah. And for me, Brown can cut in. And it was was between him and Wright Phillips. Um, I even put Wright Phillips you know, behind Mazur at one point and dropped Nick Powell for fitness. So I, I must admit, I think O'Neill's got an interesting selection to make um, yeah. on Tuesday. It's... I don't know which way it's going to go. I, I, there's got to be changes, though, I think, uh, from a fitness perspective. But it's good, though, mate. It's uh, yeah. it's still a solid yeah. team. It's a, yeah, and it's a solid um, team. I'm going with the same scoreline. You've said I'm going 2-1 Stoke. And coming to just Crystal Palace's team, if they rotated their whole squad, they would still have a very solid team. And that's just how the standard of Premier League is now. Yeah, especially in, in attack as well. And to the, the, uh, the areas you want to keep fresh. They, they can interchange people, and it doesn't affect the style, or the way they play, or anything, does it? They've got, they've got a lot of uh, good, like pacey number ten type players who can sort of drift onto either side, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Like for example, Zaha's playing striker mostly this season, but he's typically a winger. Yeah, and then you've got Eze, you can play anywhere across the front line. Edward could probably do that. Mm. But Dan, let's go to your team. Let's see what you're going with. So, yeah, I'm going in goal with Joe Bersick. I'm going to play the back four. I've got Tommy Smith at right back and uh, Josh Tymon at left back. And I'm going to play Liam Moore in the middle with Taylor Harwood Bellis. They'll be my centre halves. And then in the midfield, I've got Joe Allen. Now, if we, we rumours, we, we're not quite sure, are we, on uh, the availability of Mario Vrancic? He seems to be there or thereabouts. He's training. We're not sure whether he's available or not. If he's available for his ability on the ball and his, you know, how he can keep it and maybe help us to relieve the pressure 
and also maybe set us on quick counters, I would play him. If he's not available, I'm going to make the very bold move. I'm going to move Ben Wilmot into the midfield and play alongside Joe Allen. Okay. I think, hasn't he only tried that for like 20 minutes this season as a last resort? He has. However, he did play there for Udinese. So. Okay. Uh, so maybe it could <laughs> be a good move. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in front of him, I think we need pace. I think, uh, whereas Palace have got good pace going forward, I think they've got a very sort of settled back line and stuff. And I think if we're going to get at him, and if we're going to need, we're going to need pace, it's going to be like the one. So I'm going with. Uh, Tyrese on the right. I'm going with Jacob Brown up front. I'm going with uh, Wright Phillips on the left and Nick Powell just behind. And then I think as as we go on, like, you know, Brown can run them ragged, he can press, he can push, he can tie the defenders out. And then you've got the more physical presence of Josh Maju who can come on for the last 20 minutes or so. Hopefully, we're still in the game. Um, and you can either see us out to victory, or you know, if we are, you know, even if we're like one nil down or still level, we can maybe start pushing more forward with magic. Like say, once Browns run the def- one that run their defence about and and worn them out a bit, that'll be the plan. Not Fair plan, mate. To be honest, yeah. Like I say you're right though. That's kind of what I was alluding to. We need pace. We can't be having. You know, Buddy Fletcher up front, for example. With the amount you know, of pace that Crystal Palace have got in their team all over the field. We we want to cause Jack Butland problems, really, don't we? And so if we got have a shot got, from 50 yards, basically. Basically, mate. Make sure he does his knee again and just do what Germany did for us. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> that's, that's that a bit me. <laughs> that's, that's overstepping the mark. <laughs> There was a line, and you, you, that line is so far away, you can't even see the line anymore, mate. <laughs> uh, I'm not quite that mean. Just causing problems, and hopefully does what he did against Millwall. Is that is that behind the line? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway, so obviously that those are our teams. Those are our thoughts. Um, as always, you know, we've we've been out there and got in contact with an opposition fan for you. So this is what we think. At the Red and Blue Podcast. Hi guys, greetings to everybody at Every Step Along the Way Podcast. My name is Nick. I am the main show host on the Red and Blue Review Crystal Palace Podcast. Thank you for the invite. My earliest memories of Palace versus Stoke go back all oh, many years, back to the 70s. My very first ever game at Sellers Park was against Stoke City, uh, and I remember that as a trauma. It was a bit of a traumatic time for a then 15-year-old lad. Also, when I was going out with my now wife uh, 30 years ago, I told her we were going to go out for the day, and 200 miles later, we ended up at the Victoria Ground in Stoke uh, on a cold, wet Wednesday evening. Uh, she obviously forgave me because she then married me, and 30 years later, we're still together. So... What do I think we're going to look forward to on Tuesday evening? I think it'll be a very close game. Crystal Palace have got one or two new players uh, that Vieira has signed. He's playing a completely different style of football to our time under Hodson. He's playing a much more progressive style. 
We've got some new players that you may not be familiar with. Mark Geehy, uh, England under-21 captain, alongside Anderson, two, a very formidable partnership at Central Defence. Also, we've got uh, Michael Elise, a young guy we bought from Reading. Really exciting prospect. Yeah, a young Wilfred Zaha, if you like. Not forgetting, of course, we've got Zaha in the team. Benteke's knocking around. Jordan Ayew. We've got a very strong forward line. I still think, however... It's going to be a very close encounter on Tuesday evening. I don't think there's going to be much in it at all. Maybe one goal either way. Stokes is here. I see that they've had a good uh, good season. A bit like us, really. Mid, mid-table obscurity. You're not in any danger of going down. Uh, same as us. It's going to be a quiet end of the season. The cup runs what probably what we're both playing for now. If you are coming down to Sellers Park on Tuesday evening, I wish you all a very safe trip. Enjoy your afternoon and your evening down there. Plenty of beers, plenty of local pubs pubs for you to enjoy. Come down, uh, you'll be made very welcome at Sellers Park, I can assure you. Uh, A bit like the Hartlepool fans were a couple of weeks ago. They made an absolute weekend of it. It's just a shame it's an evening kickoff, which I think is a bit of a nonsense for the FA Cup. Feel free to tune into our Red and Blue Review podcast. Just pop onto our uh, website, redandblueReview.co.uk. You can listen to everything that we've ever put out and actually watch it because we are a visual podcast as well as an audio podcast. I wish you guys every success for the rest of the season, obviously, apart from Tuesday night. Take care, guys. Nick Philpott from Red and Blue Review. See you soon. Take care. Well, so thank you very much for that, Nick, from the Red and Blue Review. Uh, much appreciated and um as always you know even though he's a midweek podcast we've still poked and prodded our good old friend graham mcgarry and uh he sent us this this is what he thinks for the game hi there you potters podcast people Hello there, it's Graham McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potter's prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. Hello there, you Potter's predictors. This is Graham McGarry once again, trying to find out whether he can get it right in the FA Cup. Well, we've been close in the Championship in the last couple of games. Perhaps it'll all work in our favour when we come to our prediction for this one. It's a tough tie, though, for Stoke down at Sellers Park. Always a hard place to go up against the Crystal Palace side. They're doing quite well in the Premier League, not in any relegation battle, and they'll be eyeing a real good cup run this particular season. Stoke, of course, will have a much-changed team due to a few players not being able to play due to being cup-tied and one or two injury problems as well for Michael O'Neill. He was really disappointed that they came away from their long trip from Bournemouth last weekend without a point they look as though they're on the way to getting a point but they've got to put that disappointment behind them and this can keep their season alive I think it's going to be a very tight game and I'm just going to edge it that the Potters could go through you know it's, this is a shock result it's Palace nil, Stoke 1 So 1-0 to Stoke I mean he was nearly right at the weekend with 1-0 Stoke weren't he and you know we, I know uh, Mike we were all sort of thinking it 
crazy. I mean, I, I, I went to one Stoke, but you two were saying how crazy it was only the weekend. Well, I think I went for like a drinking. 3-0 loss, didn't I? <laughs> Oh, he, um, we thought he'd been drinking, but oh, um, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- yeah. I think I went two one, did I? Or, yeah. No, three one. Yeah, I think he went three one. I think I followed you, but it just shows that you said three three nil. You said Michael three nil defeat. <laughs> did I? I'm, I'm not, I can't even claim that goal, can I? All oh, right, yeah, three nil. <laughs> but it just shows that we do have you know the quality to do it, and it's obviously like we've mentioned two unlucky goals that we conceded late on, and. It seems like me and Mike's prediction at the moment, he might not have the result right, but he's obviously got the final end correct. And we've not heard yours yet, Dan. What are you going no. for? I'm going for 1-1 in normal time. Oh, don't do this to us. And then, uh, yes, we are going to win on penalties. <laughs> I've never heard Stoke and winning on penalties in the same sentence before. Hey, we've got a decent record on penalties. Like, yeah, I was going to say recent times, yeah. Yeah, yeah but we've done right. we don't have Lewis Baker on there. We come to shootouts. No, no, we come to like shootouts and we're pretty good. It's the it's the general 90-minute play penalties that we struggle with. <laughs> Isn't that just some, pretty much any penalty reason. taker in England, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we did pretty good. And you know what, Dad? Actually, I'm not sure if you if you know about this, mate. But I put a uh, a poll out um, as well for who's going to come out on top. Uh, whether, whether it was going to be Palace or Stoke, what which way do you think it went? I think it was pretty tight from what I, from what I remember seeing. I have seen it. Yeah, I think it's pretty close, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I only put out about an hour ago. I think there was about a hundred odd votes, but um, it's very close, mate. So. Palace are edgy, so the 55% of people think Palace will win, 45% think Stoke will win. And considering this is all Stoke fans, I think that's, um, well, at least it probably is likely to be all Stoke fans. Uh, I don't think we've got many Palace fans following us, I wouldn't I wouldn't think really, Dan. But uh, either way, mate, yeah, pretty uh, pretty damn close. And I think, I think everyone's in that frame of mind. They just don't quite know how this one's going to go. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, mm. That's pretty much it. Where I, where I am, <laughs> yeah, I'm on the fence. Really, it's gonna go. It's gonna be two one either way. That's what me and Mike are saying. But hopefully, we can get you know that second to help us. You know, get to the quarterfinals. Which yes, would be nice. and uh, that actually brings me on nicely to this week's quiz. Yes, so. Just a little mini quiz for you today, just testing your knowledge. And you were saying there about quarterfinals and cup games. So what I've done, since Michael O'Neill has took charge of Stoke, we have played Premier League opposition six times in the either the FA Cup or the League Cup. Now, what I want from you guys is, can you remember the six opponents and the scores? I can get one straight away. Leicester, four, Stoke City, nil. Correct. FA Cup third round. Um, uh, we had one against Tottenham as well, didn't we, where we went 1-0 up. And then... Wasn't that like 3-1? You're talking um, 2020, you are. Am I? Yeah, that was December. It was a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, okay. it was. Space. That was two two weeks before the Leicester game. We played Tottenham in the quarterfinals of the League Cup, and we did lose three one after Jordan Thompson and give us the lead. And everyone's hope was all high. And, and Harry Kane showed up. 
<laughs> and and I Gareth remember, Bale showed up. What's his face? Oh, it was, uh, scored against us as well. So that will be. Well, it was Brentford. I don't remember the the result, but I think oh, that yeah, was in the League Cup as two well. One. That was two one to Brentford. Yeah. It was 2-1. Yes, we did lose 2-1 at home to Brentford. That was when Seema put the ball straight across the face of goal right in the last minute and it just went wide. He could have been the hero. Um, the lesser spotted Seema. I think it was Jacob Brown, one of Jacob Brown's first goals against Wolves. Um, 1-0 when we were in like the first round of the Carabao Cup. Yeah, so, so that's a Wolves away. We won 1-0. Jacob Brown. Right, so we've said Wolves, Bournemouth, Spurs, Brentford. That's Who did we play before Spurs? Oh, God. I know we were away. God. Mm. <sighs> really not sure, mate, to be honest. I mean, you obviously tr- intentionally try and forget them. Yeah, because obviously it's a League Cup match, but I think I think it was obviously if it's before Tottenham, we would have won if it was in the League Cup. Are we allowed any clues, Danny? Uh, it also when well, well, I can't tell you the score. Can I? The Midlands side, we beat so, we beat Wolves in so the beat Wolves, so that round. Wolves out the way. So you've got Birmingham. Villa. Well, he said Premier League though, didn't he? It's Premier League. League. So, yep, Villa. It, it would be. Yeah, we beat Aston Villa 1-0. Um, have yeah, we, we said beat... Watford as well yet? Because we, we lost we lost at Watford. We did Lincoln not lose at Watford. We beat Watford. We Josh no, Tynan scored Watford. an absolute... Josh Tynan was meant to do a cross, but, you know, went in the back of the net. Yes. Well, that's a bit harsh. He says he was a shot. Yeah, <laughs> and Ty- well, Tyrese Campbell has said that his goal against Birmingham was obviously what he meant to do. <laughs> So how many um, have we got there now? That's your six. Really? Six. Hey, yeah. mate. We're, we're back on top four. Out the bag. Come on. So, <laughs> so all I'm going to do, right, I've done this so I can end this pod on a high, right? So those six results, we played Brentford at home lost, Leicester at home lost, Tottenham at home lost. We played Watford away, won, Aston Villa away, won, and Wolves away, won. That means Michael O'Neill is undefeated away to Premier League clubs. Even I'm going to go 3-0 Stoke. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so you're saying there's still a chance? Yeah, there's, there's still, still a chance. A chance. Of glory. Go on, Stoke. If we get a Premier League away in the next round as well, if we get through. Come on. Give us Man City. We'll have them. <laughs> we'll get drawn at home and after the time he switched away. <laughs> But yes, I'm I'm happy with that. I think uh, we've kept you all entertained. And uh, yes, we'll see you all for the normal Friday morning pod after we uh, we can dissect this Crystal Palace game. And uh, hopefully we'll find out who we've got in the quarterfinals. See you later, guys. Adios. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, 
We understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.